Check, check, check. Say something. Hello. Okay, cool. All right. All right. So this is the first episode of Put It On Record. Um, As the intro episode explains, this is going to be a podcast about DJing from a DJ's perspective. Um, The purpose of this podcast is uh, people have, um, usually when I go on Instagram and I talk about gigs or the behind the scenes stuff uh some people find it interesting djs and non-djs alike so i feel like there's a lot of things that people don't know about djing and what goes on um and what it takes to put it on so i feel like this would be a good thing to explain to people in a long uh format so they can listen to it uh i don't know how many episodes we're gonna have before i run out of topics but i feel like every week there's something new i gotta talk about like something happens at every gig that i feel like people should know about um, with this, this is also going to be the end of uh, WBRN Radio. So I did that podcast for like ten years. I think I started it. I started right before I moved to LA. And it was just me making DJ mixes because I feel like I didn't really have no other outlet, and so it ran its course. So appreciate everybody for the past ten years listening to that. Um, if you're here from that podcast, this is the, probably won't be any music played on this. Um, so it'd be different, but. Um, thanks for tuning in anyway. So, that's pretty much uh, what this podcast is going to be about. Um, we do have uh, on this episode what's going to be a reoccurring co-host, I feel like. Um, so, it's not really a guest. And that's uh, Recio. Say what's up. Hello. Happy to be here. Virtually. <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, I feel like... Uh, I should just give you guys a little brief history on me and my DJ career, for those that don't know. Um, so, I started DJing in 2007 uh, on the campus of Bowling Green State University, which uh, we're definitely going to talk about college DJs versus uh, other DJs later on. But yeah, I started back then, um, then I moved back to Columbus in like 2009, DJing a little bit here and there in the city. Uh I was on the radio, shout out to uh, Power 107.5, I was on the radio for like a year or so. Uh, moved to LA, DJed out there for a little bit, then I took a break, and then I came back to Columbus in 2015, 2014, and it's been on ever since, so some of y'all might know me from uh, Orange Soda, Native Tongues, all that, um, and yeah, that's my, that's my history, it's been uh, 14 years, and I got a lot of experience. The one thing I do want to say is that uh, unlike some other people, I don't have no OGs. Like, I taught myself how to do all this. Um, So I had a lot of trials and tribulations for sure on how to do this the right way. Um, And so I feel like I got a lot of knowledge that I can share with people, um, especially people that want to be DJs. Um, I got a lot of knowledge I can give you guys. Um, Did you know that story already? That you were self-taught? Uh, well, just all, just everything as far as like how I started DJing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, cool, yeah. I really started, uh, <laughs> it's a longer story for another episode, but <laughs> I was trying to pay for college and didn't really go back until 10 years later. But eventually I did go back thanks well, to DJing. <laughs> right, right. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's talk about your history because you're a fairly new DJ. Brand and, and new. I feel like you have a very unique perspective in that regard so uh yeah yeah so i started dabbling in like the spring of 2019 
with you, of course, that's like how I got into it. You and I used to talk about music a lot. Um, and one day you just kind of like asked me to try it and I did. Um, and I enjoyed it. It made sense to me because I have a musical background. Um, I played a few instruments growing up. Um, and my family was also just very musical. My brother produced for a little bit. My dad produced for a little bit. So it was just kind of like in the blood in that sense. But DJing was a different form of musical expression. Um, so dabbled in 2019. I was in law school at the time. So I didn't have time to really invest in trying to learn that. And then in the spring of 2020, COVID hit. And I had a lot of time on my hands because I was at home. Um, and I actually used DJing as a way to like stress relief bar prep uh, because I graduated in 2020. So that whole summer I was studying for the bar. And when I wasn't studying, I was learning how to mix. Um, and it allowed me to completely take my mind off of bar prep because I was trying to learn this other skill that required a lot of attention. And yeah, from there, it's been an interesting experience to like have started in the midst of COVID. Um, but it's been a good experience so far. I did not know that your brother and dad did a little pr production. That's a, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, it's definitely in the blood and that's probably why you took on to it as easy as you did. Um, unlike others, like just being able to, um, like, you know, count the bars and having that rhythmic gene, um, that's a lot of DJing. Like, you got to be able to be on rhythm. So, yeah, Great. that definitely helped for sure. Um, So, uh, we talked about this a little bit, but uh, what got you into DJing? Was just curiosity or uh, stress? You, know, you said it was a stress reliever or what ultimately gave you that push to, like, yeah, I'm going to do it? So I think initially being interested in at all was I was generally curious about it. And as a party goer and like knowing you and some other DJs for a few years, you when you're around good DJs, you're able to decipher who is good and who is not. Um, and so being interested in where does that gap lie? Like, what is it that differentiates a good DJ from a not so great DJ? Um, so that part of it made me want to, you know, see what I could do with it, um, whether it turned out successful or not, you know, it's going well so far. Um, but being interested in that aspect of it, of like, what does it actually take to do this? That was interesting to me. And then just, you know, being interested and invested in music, period. Like, this definitely isn't something to do if you aren't, you know, keeping up with music or you don't actually like it. You're just trying to make some money because there's a lot of work that goes into it um, on the back end, whether it's money wise, whether it's, you know, staying up to date on music, song choice, all of that. Right. Yeah. I mean, definitely. Um, I feel like with all things, like, the passion is what keeps you going when things get hard. So, yeah, if you don't have a passion for it, it's definitely not the thing to do. Um, what got me into DJing? Uh, like I said, uh, I was in college and um, I really, well, first of all, I actually made my, made my first mixtape before I even had DJ equipment. Uh, we was at UC in 2006. Um, and <laughs> instead of going to class, I just uh, 
sat in my room and uh, took acapellas and put them over instrumentals and uh, we oh. made a couple. <laughs> we made a couple mixtapes like that. I actually just found my original mixtape, and what I want to do is I'm trying to rip it to my computer so I can put it out there, but I also want to like redo it because it, it's like shitty, like as far as like um, sound quality, but. Nobody has a CD player, so I'm like, <laughs> I don't have all this electronics sitting in front of me, and not near one of these things play CDs. So yeah. I gotta figure out that. But um, but yeah, so we made those, and um, I guess uh, after that, I decided like I really want to DJ. So I uh, uh, over the summer, in between um, semesters, I worked two jobs uh, and bought my first pair of turntables, and I actually. Um, I realized later on while I was DJing that DJing is therapeutic to me because it gave me a, a sense of fulfillment. Like mm-hmm. being able to be the person to make people happy was uh, fulfilling to me. So yeah, that's always like, a good moment when like you play somebody's song and like they feel it and you're like, ah, yeah. I got you. <laughs> that's uh, a, that, <laughs> that like, and you know, 14 years later, that's not lost on me. It's, it still has the same effect to this day. When I play something, I, I look out. It could be one person. If I look out and, and they have that reaction on their face, like, oh, this is my joint, then that fulfills me. And so that actually um, – I started DJing, like I said, because I wanted to pay for college. But um, once I got into it, I just felt like it filled a void for me emotionally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I like I, I like to be able to pass that knowledge on and you know help other people uh, get to their goals as far as being a DJ, um, and, and and you know still try to do things creatively. Like I'm, I'm doing a lot of social media content where I'm doing different things creatively, just to find different ways to play music because I like to create, and you know DJing being a primary source of that. Yeah. So um, tell me about some of the uh, um, the biggest misconceptions. Well. Let's back up. Before you started DJing, um, did you think it would be easy, hard, or how like intricate did you think it would be? And then once you started DJing, uh, what was the reality? So I definitely didn't think it was going to be easy, but I also didn't realize how hard it would be. It was somewhere like in the middle. So I definitely had going into it a respect for DJs and one, you know, if you're a popular DJ, like you're doing this night after night, you're booked and busy. Um, it's not lost on me that, you know, you're giving up some of your social life to provide a social life for other people. Um, and that can be difficult to balance just as a human being. But also, um, you know, you're, you're doing the same thing over and over again. And like we talked about before, like if you don't have a passion for it, it can get really old really fast. Or, you know, I mean, the truth is you might have a really bad day, but you booked a gig weeks ago and you got to, you know, stand on that. So being able to, you know, go into, you know, maybe somebody's wedding, somebody's birthday and put on a happy face and you may have had like a terrible day Um, and you're providing a service. So you can't slip on that um, because then you may lose out on other opportunities or somebody might bash you on Twitter, like anything could happen. Um, So with that, I, I had that respect going into it, but, you know, like standing in those shoes is a definitely, it's definitely a different feeling. Um, it's a different level of respect, uh, because, you know, 
like I mentioned, I went to law school. Now I'm a full-time attorney. Um, there are days that I sometimes wonder like, dang, like, am I going to have to choose between, you know, doing something for my day job that may run over and then running late to a gig or vice versa, like trying to balance those two because um, I'm not in a position yet to, you know, be a DJ full time. Um, just where we are, um, both uh, geographically and the way the economy is right now, shout out to COVID. <laughs> um, so it, it's hard. It can be hard to balance the two. Um, but definitely have a different level of respect now that I'm in it um, and still being fairly new to it, understanding all that goes into it in the sense of just being able to show up and do what you do. Right. Uh, I, I I definitely agree. And um, I guess for me, uh, when I first started DJing, <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but uh, when I first started DJing, I would go in with like a playlist, like literally mm-hmm. – um, I DJed at this um, after hour spot in um, Bowling Green. Uh, shout out to Plan B. If you know, you know. Um, so it was four to six hours. Um, I did this Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and I got like forty dollars a night. Like, so I came from the grind. But so for six hours, I had a playlist of exactly what I was going to play in order for six hours, <laughs> and I didn't know how hard it was to veer off that path and basically just like as we say, freestyle, like being yeah. able to just play different music on the fly and adjust on the fly based on the crowd's needs. Like I thought mm-hmm. I could just go in there with what I thought w- was good and then just go with that. So um, the biggest lesson I probably learned um, DJing is that your taste is not everybody's taste. Oh, man. And you, de- and you definitely have to cater to the crowd as much as we don't like to take requests. It's not really about requests. It's about being able to read the crowd and know what they want to hear and also right. know what they what they don't know they want to hear, but like it's like new music, so you gotta be able to uh, you know put them onto something new at the same time. So reading right. the crowd, reading the crowd was definitely um, something that I didn't know I had to do, but I had to learn about that quickly. Especially like um, when I first did like my first corporate gig, like I came from the mixtape era, Gucci and Jeezy. So <laughs> when I had the corporate gig, and they were like, "You got X Y Z songs," I'm like, "I." And this is before Wi-Fi and all that. You could just download right. real quick. Like, you had what you had. And you um, just stuck with it. <laughs> right. I do also want to say that uh, I started DJing right when uh, Scratch Live came out. So, um, you know, um, before that, you had to have CDs or vinyl. And mm-hmm. so having access to MP3s made it a lot easier. But um, it was still, um, you had to be very, much more prepared back in the day when I started. So, um, but I I, there's a lot of uh, expectations versus reality uh, when it comes to people that don't DJ and then once they first get into it. But uh, we'll get to that in a second. Um, we do want to stop and take a moment to uh, get to our first reoccurring segment, which is uh, what I like to call Put Us On. By the way, I've freestyled all this, um, so I don't <laughs> know if any of these, these ideas are going to last, but just bear with me. You know, This is a passing <laughs> project of mine. Um, I've been on... I've been a part of and been on many other podcasts, and this is the only thing I feel like talking about that I really want people to know my opinion about. Anything else I can give a shit about. So, anyways, recurring segment, put us on, uh, where we put, try to put you guys on a new music or to songs that we're feeling in the moment. So, do you have a song of the moment? I do. I was thinking about this very hard. 
And there were two songs that came to mind, but then I was thinking about, you know, like we've had this conversation before, like what was the song of the summer? And that song was Essence. But I think like the song of the moment for me, because she is having a moment is um, Replay by Thames. And that's off of her new project. And I mean, the title of the song is fitting. Like I replay that song over and over and over and over again. It's so good. She is having a hell of a run. Um, I love what she's doing. She seems to be very humble about it. And yeah, I love her. What um her project is called Crazy Tings or is is if Orange was the No, one? so Crazy Tings is like the lead single off of that song, but the project is If Orange Was a Place. Okay, yeah. The song of Red Fans is fire too, by the way. Yes. Yeah. yes. Um yeah, so replay by Tim's Mine's um is not as, as much new as it is such a vibe. And that's a slow down with Lucky Day and Van Jess. Oh, I love that song. I love that whole project. And so that, when the remix came out, I was standing very hard. I think I got to the remix first. Um, mm. So I like Van Jess from the uh, from Dysfunctional, obviously. Mm-hmm. But then when I when I heard some of the other music after that, I was like, it's not the same vibe. But this latest project is, I mean, it ain't the same vibe, but it's definitely more my speed. So. Van Jess is definitely some, something that somebody everybody should be listening to for sure. Yes, yes. But yeah, definitely check out uh, Replay and uh, what I just slow down. Yeah, um, and that's put us on. So hopefully, put you on to something new. Um, if you guys have any songs that you want to put us on to, uh, you can add us on uh, Twitter. Uh, I'm of course at djbern underscore, and Alexis, you got three different twitters so which one is yours? <laughs> my my active twitter is lex squire l-e-x-q-u-i-r-e and i'm not making a twitter account or an instagram account for this uh podcast until we hit a milestone with listeners or something because i don't know much i already got like six instagram accounts on my phone between orange soda and all this other stuff so i don't want to make another account but yeah definitely you can follow us on our twitters and instagrams my twitter is the same as my instagram I'm sure hers is as well. So, yeah, uh, keep up with us and let us know if there's some new music. If you like Tim's or Van Jess or if you got some other songs you want to recommend to us, please uh, reach out to us. Um, but let's talk about what's the hardest part of DJing to you, well, especially you being a, a newer DJ? I think right now, and I had this experience this weekend, actually, um, is managing the expectations of the people that pay you and the people that attend the event, because a lot of times they are in conflict with each other. Um, So there have been times where I have gone into a gig and I'm given a directive by the people who are paying me of this is the vibe. This is, you know, what I want, what we want. Maybe it's a group or collective. Um, and so I plan my set around that. I make a crate for every gig that I do based off of, you know, what they tell me they want. So the hardest part is going into a gig where maybe, you know, the party goers or whoever is in attendance is not feeling what the directive is. Um, and they start making requests and you kind of have to find the balance between, well, I definitely want to still get paid. Um, right. But I also want people to have a good time. 
And if they're not having a good time with, you know, like a straight up R&B set or whatever it is, you have to adjust and trying to tote that line as eloquently as I can. I agree 100%. And it's no, like the biggest evidence of what you're talking about is at a wedding because the bride and groom want to turn up and their parents, their grandparents be looking at me crazy. And I'm like, listen, <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I'll even say in my um, in my pre-meetings with the bride and groom is like, I'll play whatever you want me to play as long as you talk to the older people that are coming and say that, hey, I told them to play this. And then um, like once we get that out of the way, it's no problem. But just because I play – uh, back that ass up. I don't want nobody's meemaw coming over there trying to right. tell me that I'm doing. I'm like, listen, them right We're there, in the, the ones, right? I'm like, the people that get married don't care, and that's what they tell me to play. Go talk to <laughs> the bride and the groom. But yeah, it's definitely, um, and this is I'm definitely gonna say this for the uh, why we don't take requests uh, episode. But that's definitely a problem <laughs> with that. Is like. The per- the person that owns this establishment paid me and told me to play a certain thing, so your request unfortunately doesn't line up with that. But I promise you, if you let me, you let me work, let me do my thing, you're going to have a good time. So right, just don't right. worry about it. Just enjoy um, the ride. Right. It's like, <laughs> um, and this is another topic for another day. But I, so many episodes are going to come out. But it's just like you came here to let to watch me work. Let me work. Like you can listen to your favorite Apple Music playlist in your car. Just let me work. You know what I'm saying? Have you uh, noticed that recently that I feel like, I don't know if people did this when Bluetooth first came out, but I notice a lot of times when I go into establishments, people still have like their AirPods in and it's like, so did you come to like enjoy the vibe or are you trying to make your own vibe? Like, how do you even walk around listening to your own music and my music is blasting? Like, how do you... I, that pisses me off. Listen, man. But. <laughs> I'm going to have to uh, get you to run this back on episode two when we talk about uh, why Apple Music Playlist got people to think that they can do our job. Ooh, um, wee. But uh, no, I haven't noticed anybody with headphones in. Um, if I did, though, you know, I got no problem cutting the music off and being like, hey, if you got your headphones in, take your ass home. <laughs> and, and then playing a banger because I know what I'm doing. But uh, what I will say, though, is, um, and, um, this might come to you like later as you do more gigs uh, is that when I've had, when I found myself in those situations to where the person that booked me, tell me to do one thing and the crowd want to hear another thing. I feel like, I don't know how to say this, but it's kind of the way if you carry yourself, I, I don't know how you can confidently play a song, but if you do that, like I feel like people will ride with whatever you're doing yeah. um, as opposed to like, there's a you know there's a way you can stand up there and, and look like 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 you're just doing whatever you can and mm-hmm. there's a way to stand up there and be like and like confidently play songs and this is probably where the yeah. mic the microphone comes in hand is like you play a song and talk to the crowd about why you're playing it and talk yeah. to them about what they should be doing like they'll usually accept what you're giving them because remember I mean you got the microphone yeah. can't nobody talk louder than you <laughs> so like if you say like I, I, I know you want to hear this but vibe out to this this is good music X Y blah 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 you know uh, a, a lot of times that works to uh, disarm a crowd that you know just want to hear what they want to hear. Yeah, I think about that. But uh, yeah, the, we'll save that for the two-hour episode of a stop making requests <laughs> um, because your request is not more knowledgeable than my X amount of years of DJing for sure. So if you're listening out there, you like to make requests, ask yourself why. 
Um. So yeah, we went over the hardest part of DJing. Um, what do you think? This is a curveball. Um, what do you, what do you think the biggest misconception about DJing is? Biggest misconception. Hmm. I would say off the top of my head is that people think it's easy. I would say that people think you're only supposed to play like, you know, like what's top 40 on the radio. Like mm. that's only going to last for an hour. And then what you have to find, you have to dig deeper than that. Right. You have to. And I mean, just thinking about what D- DJing is like, that top 40 ain't probably always going to go together. So right. you have to, you know, find a way to fill in the gaps. You have to, like we talked about, fit the vibe of what the actual event is. So I think when people, you know, they don't hear their favorite song that's on the radio right now, they start judging instead of just enjoying what is being curated for them. Also, top 40 and um, the radio doesn't actually speak to I, I think the crowds we be in anyway, that, like, that speaks to like, that's real too. The majority of America the majority of America ain't our crowds. I feel like that's very real. Um, but yeah, that, um, I would say the biggest misconception about, uh, DJing is that it's easy is that you can just press buttons and, um, you know, just as long as you can play, the bangers then you can mm-hmm. dj but i'm like <laughs> like kind of like what you're saying like even then it's only like like if you ask me to name the bangers i could probably name 10 songs and in dj talk that's about 20 minutes right so <laughs> so then what you know like then what you're gonna do like you gotta be able to fill in the gaps and you gotta know when to play what if you dj from uh, another thing i've learned from just from, uh, from orange solo specifically is that um, this is not really a shot, but a lot of DJs ain't got more than an hour in, in, in them as far as mm. a, a set is concerned. So just imagine if you was in a club for four hours, what you going to do? Because you're going to run out of bangers early. Um, that and with the way that Orange Soda has been set up, I mean, if you come in with like a, a pre-made set, you know, there's four DJs. Right. Not everybody's always all that original. So if somebody goes before you and they take like 10 of your songs, you know, what are you going to do? You have to adjust. You can't just always stick to the script. Right. And, uh, you know, one of the future topics is definitely uh, opening DJ versus closing DJ. Because a lot goes into, like I said, like this is why this podcast is great. Because a lot goes into it and there's a lot of different um, topics and, and a lot of reasons why DJs do what they do. But, um I do want to talk about training DJs um, mm. because a lot of people ask me to train them um, mm. or train to train them, to train their kids, uh, to do whatever. And I do, I did want to speak on that um, as far as like training DJs is kind of like if you're listening to this and you ever want to be a DJ, let's take the DJ part out of it. And let's uh, put in playing the piano. So if I knew how to play the piano and I'm giving you piano lessons, one, um, they'd have to be frequent because if you don't do it at least once a week, you're going to forget what I taught you last week. Um, Secondly, um, you're going to have to get a keyboard at the house because 
if I give you a lesson, you got to go home and practice and then have that tightened up by the time I see you the next week. And then um, you got to have some real-world practice as well. So you can only do so much keyword playing in the house before you got to do it in front of an audience that's not your mom or your <laughs> spouse or whatever. So all of that goes into training DJs as well. A lot of times people ask me for uh, DJ advice or DJ lessons, and I'm like, okay, well, you got to at least buy some equipment, which a controller, uh, a controller that's going to do everything that it needs to do to train you is going to be at least $300. And then you have, you have to have a laptop, obviously. And then uh, finding music, you got to find the music on your own. I, I, can, I can show you how to find the music, but you at least got to have a laptop, which I, mean, I guess most people have. And you got to have a controller. But then you got to um, spend like at least an hour a week with me. And first, you got to come from the basics, too, as far as using turntables. Now, uh, I'm not like some DJs that are older than me to think that, like, you know, if you don't have turntables, you're not a real DJ because that's not true. But I do think, like, it's kind of like being able to drive a stick shift car, like, you should at least know how to do it in case you, you ever in a situation that you got to, that you got to do it. Uh, that way, you're not like stuck and you just don't know what to do. So first you got to start on turntables. Then you got to you gotta buy a controller and practice on the controller. And you actually got to practice. And I think people, the reason why I, I turned down most people that wanted me to show them how to DJ is because they really think this is easy. Like how how much time do you think you had to put into it before you were comfortable to play in front of a crowd? But that was like months. That was like at least at least three months. But even that was atypical because when literally when I wasn't studying, I was doing that. So it was like hours a day. And right. even before that, so before I did um like an actual live event. You know, you helped me put together a mix and help me record it. But that even took like, that was probably like a month and a half. And that was just me like spending hours trying to even figure out how to put songs together. Like I was struggling to put like 10 songs together. Um, and now, you know, I've grown, but that was after putting a lot of time in. And a lot of it is very repetitive and trying to figure out how to do it, how to do it the best way, how to do it a different way. Um, so, yeah, it takes a lot of time. And I don't think people, like you're saying, like realize that going into it. They think, oh, you know, I'm good at music or I like music. People like my music taste, so I can do it. And it's not the same. Especially if you don't have a musical background, trying to figure out how to count music is going to set you back a long ways that's going to take a long time to figure out that's if you want to actually mix the music properly that you're playing but well, that's another episode for another that is day. another episode but yeah so um as far as training like uh we're gonna have don't fret on, on, on here soon to tell it to tell you about her journey but um uh in a nutshell uh we was driving to driving to and from dc for orange soda and on the way back, she was telling me about like how she always wanted to DJ, how she loves music. And I was like, all right, bet. Like, you know, I ain't going to charge you as long as you come over and you do it, um, you know, frequently. Come over two times a week. Um, and as, as long as you're serious and you pursue it seriously, I'm not going to charge you. Um, so she came over, um, 
drove maybe like 25, 30 minutes uh, one way and came over two times a week, and I showed her the ins and outs, you know. So it's like you, you got, like I said in the beginning, the passion is what makes a DJ, not just, um, you know, fashion or your <laughs> your meager, um, inept uh, song selection. <laughs> Like, cause you know, everybody like knows, like, <laughs> I just want to say this and I, I feel like I know what you're about to say. So this is about to be funny. <laughs> uh, I, maybe, maybe not, but you're not, if you play, can we talk and the crowd sing that don't mean you in your bag. Anybody can play mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, just like Finito and <laughs> dreams and nightmares and you know, all of that. And please don't play that when the ball drop them songs is, Oh, find something new. Um, so there's a lot passion is what goes into DJing and if you want to learn, you know, um that initial investment up front tells me if you want to learn or not. Yeah. There are some exceptions cuz I know some people that bought equipment and, and don't use it. But if you're willing to make that initial investment, that tells me at least you want to go home and try it like yourself. Um the same way I did when I got my turntables, I hooked them up in the basement. And I just sat there and then just tried to make two songs work. And uh, there's actually a video on that too. That once this once this podcast hits a thousand listens, I'll put the video out. So, but um, but yeah. So, um, I'm not really into training people, especially charging them for it, because like, I don't like this is not about money for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm not gonna just take somebody money just even if I don't think they really want to do it. I'm not wasting my time just to take your money. Like, so if you really want to do it, you know, I'll show you how to do it. But most people don't really want to do it, especially when they, when they see how, how how hard, like, this is almost like a second part, like a part-time job yeah. to be able to be good at it. Like, you, you can't half-ass it. And um, technology has made it easier, but um, it, it still takes time to, 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 to get into it. So if you want to learn, first thing you can do is watch YouTube and then uh, seek somebody out that is in your proximity that will take you under their wing. Um, and just show them that you're passionate and go from there. Um, but leave it to the professionals. <laughs> Other than that, just leave it to the <laughs> professionals. Um, oh, I, I had a different thing I was going to ask you that's not on our list. Oh, that's what I want to ask you. What was your, so far in your short career, what was your favorite gig and why? My favorite gig was this birthday brunch I got booked for like super last minute, super random. Um, and it was like a surprise birthday party. And so it was interesting because um, some people had kind of like came in with a bad attitude and you could tell like when they heard like their song, they started loosening up and everybody started having a good time. And so that made me feel good that like I was able to play a role in that and help make this person's birthday special. Um, And it's always nice, like, at the end of the gig when somebody's like, oh, you know, you did a great job, and it feels, like, actually heartfelt. That always is, like, very affirming. So that was one of my favorites. For sure. Um, I'm trying to think through my illustrious career. Um, Because you've done a little bit of everything. You've done... Basement parties, clubs, festivals. Yeah. You have a standing event. 
I'm trying to think. I'm not. I'm, not, I'm trying to have reasons he bias, but I think I know what it was. Um. Okay, so two gigs. No, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, three. <laughs> um, one was in L.A. When I moved to L.A., um, I got booked for this uh, this house party in the. It was a Halloween party in the Hollywood Hills, hosted by Chris Brown and Nick Cannon. No big deal, right? Um, but basically, uh, it was a DJ. I was booking other DJs, and he's like a DJ promoter or whatever. So. I was back there. I was in the backyard of this mansion in the Hollywood Hills, and I went down there um, past two of their the pools they had in the backyard, and I went down to this like lower pond that was emptied out, and there was a DJ set up like outside the pond, and there was a DJ there before me. And he was like, "Yeah," and there was literally nobody out there, like zero people, literally zero. And then he was like, "Oh yeah, well you can just take over X Y Z." I'm like, "All right, cool." So I took over. And when I tell you, that place filled up so fast to where it was like, it was several hundred people outside. There was also like a DJ inside too, though. Um, and so it was going crazy. There was like USC football players coming to take pictures with me. Uh, there was some dude said he worked for Young Money. Who he probably, he's probably lying. Uh, there was like <laughs> models taking pictures with me. I'm like, I'm not even nobody important for real. To the point where uh, the dude that booked me didn't even know I was back there. Um, but somebody told him like the next day that he, he was like, "Hey, well, who that Asian kid was in the back? He was going crazy." And so, and I was like, "Yeah, I was back there." And so he actually invited me to come to the studio, and I declined because, at, you know, at that time I didn't know what that meant. Like, you know, like people, I guess people hang around the studio with artists, and that's how they progress their career. But I was just like, "I don't, I don't really want to be in the studio. I ain't got no input." So, but yeah, so that was one of the best experiences of my life, just because I felt like I had something to prove to people that didn't know who I was. And this was like maybe like five years into my career, and I killed it. Um, and the other two events, um, I'd say two because I I feel like they're they were equally as good as the last two weddings that I did. Was the last two? Well, I don't know. Uh, it, it was one that I did in uh, Dallas for the uh, Everett's. Shout out to them. Yeah, yeah. And uh, one I did at the Joseph for the Gillespie's. Shout out to them as well. And weddings, which I mean, you'll, you'll learn once you start doing weddings. They're very hard to do because it's usually the craziest mixtures of people from two sides of the world ever. Because it's like, especially like if it's an interracial wedding. Because you'll have like, you know, there's like old people, young people, different races, different um, uh, economic standings, and, you know, just different backgrounds in general. And so they typically only like certain like usher yeah like stuff like that you know like <laughs> they typically only like but these two weddings they were all in tune on the same uh wavelength like for the Everest, um i guess the bride's whole family were like singers like including her brother her sister her dad and so like um during the uh dinner portion i was hitting them with you know like some novocaine some love on top all that you know they was they, they was really vibing to the point where, like, they wasn't even eating their food. They was just dancing and having a good time. And then uh, once the dance floor started, like, these are the only two ways I've ever done where the dance floor was not empty, not one point of the night. Just because, mm-hmm. they, like, it was almost like a, like a club. And <laughs> and uh, as for the other wedding, the exact same thing. It was like, they were very adamant. The, the groom even said before they had dinner, they was like, 
whatever you do, don't come up here and ask Burn for any songs. <laughs> and <laughs> I was funny. like, I was like, fantastic. So that one, um, people are, I guess people, uh, I, I've heard that people are still talking about that wedding to this day uh, just because it was such a good time. And I felt like I really was in tune. Like, you know how you play a song and you get that reaction? I got that every single song without fail. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes That's a like. nice feeling. Yeah, because, you know, sometimes it's certain songs you play where you expect people to go go get a drink or go sit down, go to the bathroom. There was absolutely none of that at this wedding, every single (laughs) song. And they even had me play some, because they live in Chicago, so they they had me play some house music, some uh, some juke music. And I didn't know, like, when they was like, oh, play XYZ, I was like, is this going to work? I'm like, you know, (laughs) whatever, y'all want to hear it. And I played it, and they was going crazy. I'm like. I should put this in my regular sets. It's like songs like The Percolator and stuff like that. So, oh, yeah. so yeah, so um, those are my favorite gigs just because, and it's all centered around the fact that people had a good time. People really enjoyed themselves, um, and I had the chance to um, let them hear what they wanted to hear as as well as put them onto something new and, mm-hmm. you know, put my own little mix on it. You know, uh, we all have our... Uh, what we call combos, you know, as far as like certain yeah. songs we mix with certain songs, and I, I, I guess I was able to do that. So those are easily my favorite gigs. Um, there's a lot of orange sodas that were great, but orange sodas are just a lot of work, and uh, I guess I'll talk about talk about that later. Is as, as far as putting on an event instead of just you know being be responsible to DJ it, uh, because there's so much work to go into it. I'm usually stressed out about that. So by the time it comes for me to DJ, I'm not even thinking about the songs I have. It's just like Hopefully this event is a success. Right. Um, so you're not too far removed from college, unlike me. Um, what do you remember about the DJs in college? So I went to OU, um, and it was always, like, a big deal when Bandcamp came. Like, Bandcamp and uh, HD. Like, whenever they came to campus, like, that was, like, the party you had to be at. It was probably like a homecoming party or like something huge. Um, but just like regular parties, it was mostly just like people who just started. Like, I don't know if they put in a whole lot of practice in hindsight, but they just kind of like went with it. So part of it was like them kind of like practicing on the spot in the sense like, they have a live crowd, they're going to experiment, which is actually kind of dope in retrospect now thinking about it, like to either be that confident or maybe that ignorant to get some of the song choices off that they did. Um, But yeah, I think the difference maybe now is I don't think anybody really cared. As long as you played like the bangers in college, like they were happy. But now I think people have, you know, some refined taste. Um, so they care a little bit more about the presentation of it. That's uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's actually what I was getting at. Um, more so like on campus DJs, like the ones that go to school with you. Um, I think what I've learned um, in, in my experience as being one of those and seeing other other people that try to transition from college DJ into like club or bar DJ is that. It's a different experience, and um, you definitely have to have a, a, a different level of talent to be able to make the transition. Because in college, you know, when people go to college, kids go to parties, they usually already turned up, 
and they probably already drunk. And so they, they, they're they looking for any reason to have a good time. Right. And so you can probably play whatever, and they're going to act the fool. Because it's right, like, right. this is the time for me to act the fool, right? So, and I feel like a, a lot of college DJs, the ones that are just campus only, gas themselves because of... They like, get that reaction every time. Right, they get it every time. Like, just because, like, you know, because you got these 18-year-old kids going crazy... That doesn't mean you can go to a club and, you know, you got the 25 to 30-year-old professionals. Uh, they're not going to have the same reaction because they don't want to yell and jump around and scream, <laughs> right. you know. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I just wanted to bring that up because I see a lot of uh, – <laughs> I got a couple in mind, but I ain't going to shut nobody out. Uh, there's a couple of college DJs that try to make the transition and never really quite make does it because – they, like they don't really got no um, technique behind them other than just playing turn up music, and mm-hmm. I mean there's definitely a place for that obviously, um, but you know it's a lot harder to get people to a come out of the house and come to the venue, uh, b dance because everybody's shy, and then mm-hmm. c have them do that every week. Whereas, yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna say anybody can do a college icebreaker, but Low-key, anybody can do a college icebreaker, like, just by playing, you know, the bangers. So, when I came out, you know, I, I started on, on a college campus, and, you know, I did the icebreakers, but I think what helped me is um, when I came back to Columbus, I was working with a party promoter, and he kind of showed me the ropes and the ins and outs, and I kind of, like, talked to other DJs that I knew in the city that, that would give me advice, and I really like music, so it's not like I wasn't just relying on whatever the banger was at the time. So, but I feel like, you know, other people coming out of college got to understand, like, like once people get out of college, they're probably like a lot more buttoned up and it takes a lot more to get them to cut loose, especially if they're not pissy drunk, like people would be in college, you know? So, um, college DJ versus club DJ and definitely a whole different world. Um, you did bring up, uh, band camp and HD. So I, I I do want to ask you a question and put you on the spot. And remember, you don't have to say me. <laughs> but who uh, who are some of your favorite DJs? If you had a top three, I had a top three. So I feel like we had this conversation over the weekend. Uh, I've traveled a lot in twenty twenty one. I guess compared to twenty twenty, um, and I've gone out a lot. Um, and I think. Columbus gets some unfair criticism about like the caliber of DJs or caliber of events that we throw but and maybe it's also me being on the other side of this but I think Columbus has some of the best DJs and two of them being you DJ Burns and Don't Fret um and that's just like the God's honest truth like I have very high expectations for you both and you both never fail me when it comes to an event, any event. So I would have to say that for sure. Um, the third one, I do really like Bandcamp. Um, he's somebody that like, I've liked since college because I guess kind of like I have those fond memories of like those big events and him being on like the bill for it. Um, and he's just reliable and he's doing great things. Um, he's really made a name for himself and made his own brand. So 
I would have to say those three. Well, first of all, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> also, big shout out to Bandcamp. Um, I don't know DJ HD. I never met him, but I've heard nothing but good things about him. So shout out to him too. But uh, way back in the day, for those of you, oh, you old heads uh, from Columbus, when Red, <laughs> when Red Zone was Mansion and there was a oh, show there Lord. with, uh, it was a show there with, but here was the lineup. Fly Union, Machine Gun Kelly, um, I forgot who else was there, and Big Sean. Um, I was DJing the party, and Bandcamp came through, and he was like, do you mind if I plug my stuff up and DJ with you? And I was like, fine. I was like, you know, it's all good. Uh, I'm not tripping. You know, I'm not selfish. So at the time, he didn't have the turntables. He had one of those uh, new Mark controllers. Uh, but, but I'll never forget that because um, – DJ EV was there too. Shout out to DJ EV. He's a big, he's a very important person in Ohio. But uh, it was just it showed he uh, Bandcamp has always showed a lot of passion for DJing, and you can tell by the way he DJs that he actually put in the work. A lot of DJs can't mix or scratch. I'm gonna mm. repeat that a lot of DJs can't mix. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, his technique is definitely on point, and. I appreciate that somebody that actually knows what they're doing when it comes to DJing is getting the the, uh, the notoriety that they deserve. So, um, I'm trying the whole time I was trying to think about who my favorite DJs are. And let me just say, you know, like everything else, uh, having a favorite is objective. There are yeah. some people that told me that they have a favorite DJ. I'm like, that person is trash. <laughs> um, but you know, it's just like, what do you? Like, the context is always the key. A lot of people, if we're being honest, their favorites just play their favorite songs. Right. Uh, if, if we're right. being honest. Um, but who are my favorite DJs? Um, I don't want to. It's not like a cop-out answer, but I don't, re- I, I don't really know. Like, um, I know. Oh, you know. Okay. Here's number one. Uh, me, you, and Don't Fred excluded. Um mm-hmm. Is uh, my friend Christina in LA, DJ Ola. That's my favorite. Oh, DJ. she's amazing. Yeah, she is really, really dope, especially when it comes to R&B. Not to put her in a box, but she is really dope, and she really came a long way. Uh, I, I, I know she's going to be listening to this, so I, I hate to say this, but I think we both know. I think she knows when she started, she was not good. Um, but she definitely put the work in, because right now she is like, it blows my mind. Uh comparing how the how she was to who she is now um and the song selection mixing um knowledge of equipment which which we'll get into on another episode um she's got a lot of flavor um and if i was having a traditional wedding she would definitely be booked for it number one choice um but yeah shout out to dj ola i'm I'm sure she'll be on this podcast eventually because i definitely want to talk to her about her djing journey but yeah um if you have a favorite DJ out there, I just want you to uh, ask yourself why you like them and ask yourself if they didn't play songs you were familiar with, would you still like them as a DJ? Mm-hmm. Um, and then ask yourself, what's the last song they played that you didn't know you knew or, or that you didn't know that now is a favorite song of yours? Because I feel like as a DJ, all those things should happen. It's just like you should be able to go out, hear something new, hear something you forgot about. And then hear and then hear good transitions between songs, and tr- good transitions aren't always you know mixing, you know. Uh, shout to uh, DJ Fate, 
Um, I don't think he really mixes at all, but he knows how to go from one song to the next, either by talking to you or knowing mm-hmm. when to drop it. So, um, yeah, all that goes into being um, a good DJ. So, if you got a favorite, hopefully that is what they do. So, um, wow, it's really been, I didn't think we could fill up an hour, but we're at 52 <laughs> minutes. Um trying to think of anything on the list that i wanted to is there anything you want to cover on this first episode no i think this is a good start there are definitely some tangents we definitely could have gone down but would probably be better suited for actual episodes so i'm content with this episode yeah there's um i didn't want to start with the requests uh and why (laughs) i don't take requests because we'll get to that eventually and i definitely want um don't fret to be on here. Uh, we also got to talk about good hosts versus bad hosts. Shout out to Marlon. And I'm going to leave it at that because the rest of y'all be fucking Ooh. me up. Um, and we'll get into how, but I love y'all. But some of y'all be really fucking me up. And it really like, uh, I, I don't know how to tell y'all. So I'm going to tell you on this podcast. <laughs> um, also, uh, this podcast is going to be officially announced and released on January 1st, but uh, those of you listening to, who listened to the last episode of WBRN Radio are actually hearing this early because I uh, put a little Easter egg in there on how you can get to this early. So shout out to you if you heard this early. Um, oh, the last segment, um, reoccurring segment I want to have is called uh, Free Game. Um, this, this is a little short things that I've learned in my path of DJing that everybody should know. And... Um, I don't know if you ever had this problem. Don't fret. Definitely had this problem. And it's about keeping them extra cables on you. So. I ran into this problem this weekend, actually. <laughs> see, uh, what happened? I just needed a longer extension cord. And that's something else that we could talk about is a lot of times events don't always think about the DJ as far as like where they're going to go and like what they need to do what they do. So I was in this crazy warehouse that was very awkward and they had put me by some tables where they wanted people to sit but didn't put me next to any outlets so like I had to basically take up a table that should have been seating area because they didn't set it up right and I didn't have like an extra extension cord that would have allowed me to be a little further over but I also don't want to rely exclusively on extension cords for all of my equipment see look and, and so what you learn from that is to one ask them is there a power outlet oh you know even before that and this seems really silly but i can't tell you how many times i've been i've got to an event and they be like oh you need a table I'm oh like, i Bro. always ask about a table because <laughs> i'll be damned if i get there and we looking at each other because <laughs> I'm like, dog, I can't do this on the floor. Right. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> um, but yeah, there's uh, plenty of time. Man, shout out to Wanda Ridge who put me outside on their little balcony and the power outlet was all the way across the cafeteria. Um, so luckily I had two fifty foot extension cords on me, but that's just ridiculous. So free game is to always keep extra cables on you. And specifically what I'd recommend is um, to have an RCA cable to have some XLR cables, to have some quarter-inch cables, and to have um, an additional USB adapter, and to have a dedicated, if you got computers like the both of us do, a dedicated USB-C cord. Because if you Mm -hmm. lose your adapter, there's nothing 
make you feel stupider than like, oh, sure. I, I, I can DJ. I got everything here, but I don't have this dumbass adapter. But, but right. if you got you got the extra cable on you, you're good. Um, I've gotten to the point where in my bag, I have an extra everything, like literally like power cord to my laptop. I have everything except for an extra computer. Um, but yeah. those 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 few things would help you out. Like I remember we was in DC. We was at Rose, shout out to Rose Bar in DC because um, that's one of my favorite venues. Um, but I didn't have an RCA cord, and the dude looked at me like, "Oh, we ain't got none." And I was like, "Dog, you gotta have an RCA cord in here." He made he made me give him my ID to hold the RCA cord, like I wasn't gonna return it. And I'm like, "Dog, like, I'm not gonna steal from this joint, bro." <laughs> like, but uh, yeah, keep an extra everything on you. Um, and the good thing about this is, uh, since we're DJing and we're not engineering or setting up a studio, get these cables off Amazon. Um, there, there's so many times where I've ran around with like the, the, the least amount of equipment just because I never thought that I could just go on Amazon, spend 10 bucks and get an extra one of these or, um, get a longer one of these, you know? So it's always important to have the right cables. Um, just at the end of the day, this is also another episode for another day, but if the sound don't work, nobody's going to care who did what they're going to blame it on the DJ. This is the fact. <laughs> so uh, you you want to make sure that you're not to blame. You want to make sure you come prepared. Um, keep an extra long extension cord, and also don't use orange cords or <laughs> you ain't you ain't cutting grass. <laughs> get online and get you a black fifty foot cord. It's, it, it's less than thirty bucks. Yeah, be classy. <laughs> make sure all your stuff match. Take care of your equipment. Get you a case. You know all this stuff is important because um, you got to invest in yourself as a DJ. But yeah, so that's it. Um, I don't really have a sign off for this, but definitely want to appreciate everybody for listening. Um, shout out to Recio. Follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Lex Choir. I'm sure you can spell that for them. Or you, you, you know. Yep, and uh, follow me uh, at DJ uh, at DJ underscore. Ah, no, that's not it. <laughs> at DJ B E R N underscore. Uh, I had to change it because my—I didn't tell you—my my other account got permanently suspended. So oh, like it's it done for real. Yeah. So uh, what's crazy is um, they they told me that uh, so I, I posted DJ videos and obviously got copyright infringement, but I um, appealed them and they and I got individual emails said that they withdrew the um, holding of those tweets uh, because of my copyright response or whatever so basically it sounded like they, they, they reversed whatever they did for all five of the tweets but my account's still suspended so i'm still fighting back and forth but hopefully i can get that back but either way i still have that to say at dj b-e-r-n underscore um this is put it on record episode one uh and that's it